In this episode of Venture Mike, we had with us Lucas Rosé. Lucas is a fellow Stuart Munich member, currently studying at Tom and managing more. We, we had a lovely conversation regarding uh, improving communication and networking, um, improving relationships, and we, we also talked through some fundamental social issues that we face in our relationships with friends and colleagues. We, we also talked about his startup speech, which is an audio-only communication app through which he and his co-founders aim to change how we communicate and interact with friends, family, and colleagues. If you want to know what's happening at speech these days and get some interesting insights on how we can do well with others, you're at the right place. Enjoy. So Lucas, in your opinion, what is important to connect with other people? I think establishing a tight and a tight connection to other people um, requires an authentic representation of, of your own personality. Um, and I think that is required from both sides. So it's uh, it's important that both sides are expressing their, their genuine personality and especially also their genuine interest in the other person. I think it's to, to have meaningful connections, it's crucial to show and express and actually live genuine interest of the other person. You're not getting to know a person as a whole with the entire personality um, without you showing that this person is somehow special to you and you're interested in that person. Mm -hmm. So you're saying it's all about genuine interest in each other. Because initially I thought you were going that way that it's you being authentic and then the other person gets to see who you are and mm -hmm. they can figure out, both can figure out quickly, okay, this is my, how they say, this is my cup of tea and mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. this guy, maybe less. Mm -hmm. I mean, establishing conversations requires always at least two people. And there's, in communication, there's one people expressing something and then one person receiving something. And um, I mean, that works, that works two ways. So I think it's, it's a mix of both. It's the person who is being asked something, being very authentic and very open about his personality. And the other person, of course, has to express a genuine interest so that the other person feels comfortable in, yeah, in the setting that they're that they're facing cool yeah so um how would you say that um your mindset about connecting with other people how old are you now 24 24 so thinking back of when you were say 18 or 19 how do you feel your your mindset has changed and before we go into that, um, so people know who we're talking to, we, we cover a bit of your experiences so okay. far. And uh, I ask you to help me out and hear a bit. So I, I start a sentence and you get to finish it. All right. <clears throat> so Lucas, you studied your bachelor's in Braunschweig, mm -hmm. but you were born in? Hanover, close to Hanover, in the suburb. 
do, do you feel still attached to that area? What are some things that are coming to mind when you think of this? Yes, I feel attached as it's yeah the place where I grew up in, where I have lots of associations with places there and experiences that I made there. And my family still lives there and my best friend as well. Um, but I don't have a connection in the sense of I want to go back. Mm -hmm. I feel attached, but without strong ties, mm -hmm. yeah. strong emotional ties. And how do you feel about not having that feeling of going back? Um, do you mean, do you feel guilty in a way? Or not at all. I actually feel very, very comfortable because um, for me, what actually counts in life is meaningful personal relationships and the place doesn't matter as much where you're living in. Of course, it affects somehow your quality of life. But if you have people around you who you have strong connections to, who you actually value being with, and both parties value being with each other, um, I think it doesn't matter so much where you're actually living. Mm -hmm. So it's about people. You, um, as your study program, you chose mechanical engineering, both your bachelor's and your master's. Why you think is that what attracted you? Mm -hmm. um, so in the very beginning, it was actually pretty a pretty simple reasoning, pretty straightforward. Um, so in in high school, I was always quite good in, in maths and all the, the STEM subjects, and uh, I felt and I knew that I, I was or I am talented in, in these fields and in the logical rational fields, and I wanted to make use of yeah, something that I possess, um, but just being without valuation, but just being an engineer with a whole technical perspective, I felt there would be something something missing for me um, because in, in earlier days, I had the perception that um, you're not talking as much to people um, when you're more in a technical and technical field. So I found this mechanical engineering um, respectively industrial engineering um, thing, which is a mix between engineering and um, business administration, so to say. And yeah, and it was pretty straightforward. I found that sounds great and then I just went on with it. Mm -hmm. And now looking back, you feel... Mm -hmm. um, hmm. Interesting, that's a question I'm, I'm raised quite quite often, and I'm also raising quite often to me, um, because I feel that my fields of interest and my fields of activity are not within mechanical engineering um, in an academic point mm -hmm. or an academic perspective. Um, so I'm asking myself, shouldn't I have studied another subject? Um, but I don't think so. I think that was, um, it was, it was a great decision because just by making this decision and having made these experiences with mechanical engineering and uh, management, um, I came to the part, to the point where I'm now, um, of having the realization that maybe something else would have been interesting to me. And I think it would have been the same if I had studied something different. Um, like in, in retrospective, you're always justifying your decisions. So yeah, no, it was, it was a great decision. Mm -hmm. And there always is some doubt, I think. Yeah. I once saw a statistic that 
the thing that people are thinking the most about or up to the point of regret is their choice of career or education. Mm -hmm. Is that something that stays with us for the rest of our life? What was the part of your, you you went to China for an exchange? Mm -hmm. When you said that you're happy with the point where you are right now in life, what role did this experience in China play there? How would you say it got you to where you are now? So you just tell us a bit about the experience and then we'll figure out the rest. (laughs) Um, Your your question is focused on the situation that I'm right now in and how the experience in China has... How would you you say it shaped you? How would it Mm -hmm. make you the person right now? But feel free to just start with what was great about it? What Um, did you enjoy? Was it like an academic experience? Was it more going (laughs) out? Was it about traveling? Yeah, it was an experience with plenty of different perspectives and sides. Um, not so much academic, but I think that is not what it's about when you go in abroad. Um, I think um, answering your questions, so before I had the chance to go and live abroad for, for quite a time and frequently, and uh, the prior experiences have made me more open and more tolerant. Um, by yeah, seeing different ways of lives of different different cultures and different people. And, uh, and then I decided to go to China to see a very different culture, probably one of the most diametral cultures to, to the Western culture that I grew up in, um, that there is out there. And this experience has, as the, all these circumstances there are very, foreign to what I'm used to or what I've experienced so far. Um, of course, it has exposed me to situations where I was outside of my comfort zone. And uh, this was a great experience as having lived through all these different experiences and situations, which were challenging in some way or another, um, I feel more, or I feel that I can rely more on myself as I know that it doesn't really matter in what kind of circumstances I'm in. Of course, there's very extreme circumstances, just like famine or war or something. I wouldn't dare to say that I would be fine within these situations, but it was perfect. Um, yeah, perfectly similar way. In that, in that zombie movie, you would be one of the guys who survives. <laughs> Not quite sure. Not quite sure. Um, yeah, but, but it, it just gave me the, the assertion that I'm going to be fine in the foreign culture if if it's civilized and there's no war, of course. Um, yeah, that was, that was a great experience. Mm-hmm. And then when you got back, you joined Manager More? That was actually before. That was actually before. Mm-hmm. That was actually before. How, how would you say that this, being part of that program, mm-hmm. what was it that you took from there? Um, I moved to Munich two and a half years ago now, and uh, Manager More was yeah, one of the reasons why I moved here, I was aware of Manager more before before I came down to Munich, and um, yeah, and then I actually got into into Manager more, which is yeah, in hindsight, yeah, which I'm really grateful for, and uh, it has affected my perspective on life and the the trajectory that I'm taking in life, in a sense that I'm 
I was exposed to plenty of different, very different personalities, with all of them having the common denominator of um, being ambitious and at the same time being kind of disoriented of what they actually want to do with all the power and all the ambitions that they were having. And uh, all these people were yeah, kind of in an orientation phase and raising different challenging questions to themselves and to the community as a whole, um, such like what, where do you actually find your, your values and what you believe in the most represented in, um, in terms of a professional way? Um, or what do you actually aspire in, in a personal way? What, what really matters to you? And um, yeah, there were so many different people and different conversations that I was able to have just because I got to know these people over managing more um, that really got my mind moving and actually yeah, gave me the ignition to question and to reflect more on um, what I think is important or what I prior conceive to be important. One thing that um, came to my mind when we were speaking is that I talked to another guy, also part of managing more, and we agreed that the program for us, in a way, just as you said, made us more aware of what is it that I personally want. Mm-hmm. And that led to us being more self-conscious and being less confident about what we're doing. How do you feel about this? Less confident. Less confident, yeah. So before that, I felt I was quite <laughs> sure in what I was doing. And uh-huh. then after these years, I was mm-hmm. I, I was thinking, hey, no, this is why you want this. This is just for status or this is just because that person told you about it and now is it really are you work are you working deep down just in such a simplistic fashion Mm -hmm. um i see where you're coming from and i see your reasoning behind what you're saying as well as you i mean if you are not questioning your i mean in the end it's all about identity and what you perceive as your own identity and it's always very threatening if you have to question your own identity because your identity is what you or your identity makes the world or the way you perceive your identity shapes the way you perceive the world and the choice and justifies the, so- the choices that you're making within the world. And when you're not questioning or when you're not questioning yourself and asking and raising very difficult questions that might inflict how you perceive your own identity, I think you could live in a more comfortable fashion as you're not yeah, you're not you're not expecting yourself to um, yeah, to challenge the way you perceive your identity. But when you're with when you're around such people who are raising questions that have the potential to really turn your world upside down and question your own identity, that makes you definitely if you get through these difficult phase of oh well that question really turns my life upside down and I really have no answer to it. If you get through this phase, then you I, get, I think, yeah, you end up a lot more self-conscious and self-aware of what is important to you and what you believe in. And that could potentially lead to a situation where you are less confident in, in your choices. 
but probably it's the choices that you made in the past as you made these choices with in your past with your prior of your own identity and now you see oh to be someone that i thought was important for the society to be um and now you realize that it really doesn't matter to you and then you have to with your new more self-conscious understanding of your identity you have to justify the decision you made in the past and i think that is very challenging but if you have a sound understanding of your own identity and you're making choices now and for the future it i think it enables you to make better decisions based on your your values and your beliefs mm -hmm. and what you value and love strongly agree yeah. and like shout out to the energy more yeah community. for sure <laughs> so and i think that is money when you think back of the show that we did at abes where you mm -hmm. said that when you struggle in life eventually that'll get you to the strong principles mm -hmm. i think a lot of asking these questions as long as you have checks so as long as you keep them in balance with being active and being keeping keep on moving they'll help you to come to these stronger principles mm -hmm. yeah i think it was along the lines of accepting that you're not perfect and being okay with it and just working on yourself to make yourself I know uh, a better human maybe um, every other day. Mm -hmm. yeah. So we, we were left. We we went into we took a very deep dive. I think let's do the intro. People would be craving <laughs> to, to get through this intro. So um, the, I think we, we did the management more part. Um, what would be more exciting to know what be what are you doing right now? Like are you done with managing more and what projects are you? Um, working on currently yourself? Um, yeah, I'm in my last semester of Manager More. I'm gonna finish next month. Um, and uh, yeah, I'm also finishing my, my master's um, within the next couple of months. Um, and uh, what I'm doing is, <laughs> which is also a learning for Manager More, um, just one project and not five or six at a time. Um, as quality is definitely rising when you're when you're focusing yourself and um, yeah what I'm doing is for about a year now with uh, two other management more alumni um, I'm founding a startup called speech and uh, we are in the communication field and are advancing the way we actually talk to each other um, by lifting the possible or raising the possibilities of uh, a classical telephone call with our application call speech and uh, so what is the basic framework how, how does the app function um, I'm just trying to get my head around the idea itself so we speech is an extension of the functionalities of classical phone call as you as we said and the problems with a classical phone call are three the First is when we're trying to spontaneously reach out to someone, um, we're either, depending on the side we're sitting on, but we're either waiting for the others to pick up the phone, as everyone has schedules, of course, you cannot expect everyone to answer immediately whenever you want to talk to them, or you're interrupting or being interrupted, depends on which side you're sitting on. So say, Munib, you're, you're calling me, I'm in a business meeting, then either you're waiting for me to pick up and 
which I'm probably not going to do as I'm focused on the, on the work session. Or I'm picking up the phone and be like, hey, Muni, I'm actually in a meeting right now. What's the matter? Why is it so urgent? Why do you really have to call me now? And uh, yeah, there's always a sense of, of urgency with classical phone calls um, that defers us from picking up the phone more often, as we're always afraid of interrupting other people, disturbing other people. And uh, the second issue is that everything that, especially in a professional context, is important, especially, um, or especially in a professional context, is that there's absolutely no documentation of what has been discussed and what has been said in, in a voice meeting. Um, so all the, the different, point, different points that you talked about are, for the best case, each of the parties involved has, has jotted down some notes, which are all biased subjectively, obviously. I mean, if I'm taking down notes, I'm going to take them down from, um, from my perspective. Um, but most likely, most calls, the only memories that exist are within our brain. And um, yeah, with speech, we're we solving these, these two fields of, um, yeah, these two problem fields. The first being um, implying a sense of urgency when you're calling someone. The second is having no documentation. And uh, the way it works is it's a hybrid of a classical voice note and a phone call. Um, so with speech, you can just talk to others whenever you want to. So you can just press a record button as if you were um, recording a voice note. But with one major difference is the other person gets a notification whenever you start talking. Um, so you, say I'm pressing a button, you Munib realize, oh, Lucas is talking to me, then you can decide, do I want to jump in and have a quick conversation with him or not? If you jump in, then the voice message is streamed live, but if not, everything is just stored in the server and you can listen to it whenever you want. And there's a fluent mix or fluent transition between um, sending a voice note and sending uh, and having a call. There's absolutely no difference. All you do is just you press, you press the button whenever you want to talk. And the second is, um, yeah, everything is um, rehearsable. So you can you can listen and read through as everything is transcribed that you're saying um, at a later point in time. So therefore giving you certainty of uh, yeah, what has been discussed. Or could it just, I mean, I love that. I mean, when you get like WhatsApp recordings with those two minute, three minute long WhatsApp recordings, I mean, it's it's pain to get through those recordings. Like, I mean, I, I love people reaching out to me with the these voice texts, but eventually like I, there's a lot of friction to it. Like, I, I think like I need three minutes or five minutes to listen to that. And maybe I can do that in the toilet or I don't know, in the U-Bahn or <laughs> however it works. But if I could get like a script out of it, so I know what they're talking about and when to jump into the topic. So I'm, I'm yeah. really excited to try it out. Yeah. And <laughs> what's what's even better by having voice messages live streamed and getting a message when someone actually starts talking that's something that happened i mean the app is live and we're we're using it for a couple of months already um what happens is very frequently actually you're realizing someone talks to you and then you're just like yeah I have a couple of minutes, let's just jump right in. And then you can actually clarify the issue or you can talk about whatever you want to talk about um, very spontaneously without having the sense of disrupting and interrupting someone. And uh, yeah, that, I mean, you, you probably, you have, you have mentioned WhatsApp. Um, you probably also know the situation where you're sending back and forth voice messages with another person. And it's like you're recording a voice message for two minutes. Then the other person is online waiting for your 
two-minute voice message, the other person listens two minutes, records another voice message for two minutes, and then you wait two minutes. So there's like eight minutes just for like um, for two minutes of both parties being exchanged. And uh, with speech, you just jump right in. Like I start talking, you see like, oh, Lucas talking to me. Then yeah, you can have like that's that's what's so special about um, talking to each other. It's like you you get the immediate the instantaneous feedback of what others are saying. So I, I, you you just listen to me while I'm speaking. So it's really like as if you were in the same room spontaneously. I mean, that's lovely. I mean, Max, download the app. We 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 try our venture mic internal group on this. I think this looks exciting. Is it, is it just uh, is it it's just on iOS right now, right? Yeah. Yes. All right. And just Germany or is it available globally? It's available globally. Oh, okay, perfect. As we mentioned WhatsApp several times. Uh, yeah. How about uh, how you go about privacy? About privacy. Um, so privacy. Will there be an AI reading all my no. voice messages, transcribing them? No, no for sure not. For sure summarizing not. them. Um, privacy is is a big concern and a big consideration for us, um, especially if we are considering voice content, which is a lot more personal than a text message. Um, yeah, and just for the fact that we value the trust that our users place in us and because we believe we we shouldn't make use of the trust people are are giving us of course we are valuing privacy at, at a very high point um so yeah all of the servers are, are in germany and uh we are working on, on we're currently in, in beta and so there's over 100 users testing it and a couple of pilots coming up um, within a professional context and uh yeah, we're working on, on encryption as well before we actually launching on big scale. Have you, when you said that, I really like the idea of getting a transcript and then from that transcript, translating it maybe into say my notion or into my Trello. Are you thinking of any, can you share some thoughts there? What kind yeah. of integrations you are thinking of? <laughs> um, yeah, you're, <laughs> you're preempting some, some developments that are coming coming with the speech. Um, so I mentioned earlier, we are the extension of a classical phone call. And the classical phone call is really um, a very interrupting and a doc, doc, not documented experience right now. And we are already solving these two problems. Um, but we are asking ourselves, why aren't we actually making more about or making more out of voice? Um, so currently, you're always having for example, a media breakage after a phone call. So you had a phone call and then you're writing an email as a follow-up or then you're going to Trello or to Notion to, to take notes. That all integrated in one place. Why isn't there, um, so to say, a merger between a voice assistant and a classical phone call? Um, so that's something we're, we're looking into. Mm -hmm. Okay, so at this point in time, you cannot share any, but you're, it's definitely on the roadmap. It's the on the roadmap, yeah. Um, Not too distant future. Yeah, hopefully. <laughs> hopefully. Yeah, I'm, I mean, it's just as you said, I remember the other day I talked to a guy on the phone and he said that he's um, almost, how you, how you say this in English, um, like, fuck, I cannot think of the word. Like, very, 
notor no, not notoriously, he's taken notes of every call, every interaction. Yeah, meticulously, but more in a negative. Yeah, let's stay with meticulously. Okay. Meticulously of his entire day. And yeah. I feel it's just not, no, this is spending too much time, not actually being with that person on the call, but being so much, as you said, down with my notes. Um, and then if I could get the help of an assistant that yeah. kind of notices yeah. what were the major points. Yeah. And then after that, I just have to look at these and then yeah. add some more thoughts. Yeah. That would be very helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's not expedient if we are actually working with our documentation. I mean, we shouldn't document for the purpose of documenting things, but we should document for the purpose of using a documentation. And it would be best if documentation is just done by itself without us taking care about it. Um, and one thing you mentioned, um, having an overview, one thing that is already implemented is a, is a summary function within, within speech. Um, so you have the option of uh, having either no transcription, the full transcription, or a summarized transcription, which is um, I'm not finalized yet. Of course, the transcription doesn't always make sense. Um, it gives you just cat images. So. <laughs> it's a bit better. <laughs> it's a bit better, but that's um, yeah, that's something where it's we're hard. Working. Yeah, it's very hard to figure these things out for for machine. Mm -hmm. mm -hmm. yeah, it's contextual information. Mm. So the um, theme there again is making better connections between yeah. people. Yeah. Um, getting, well, Maniv, you wanted to ask one more thing about yeah. speech? Yeah, no, uh, uh, one, I mean, I just had this privacy thing that I've been wondering about for a long time, but finish this thing off and we jump in. Yeah, I was about to get back to our second question. What was it? How you feel that your professional connection making has changed now? <laughs> Now you're helping, trying to help the world have better connections. How do you personally change? Yeah. How has your approach changed? Um, that's a great question. Um, I think personal relationships boil down to empathy in one way or another. It's about yeah, exposing yourself and uh, and also embracing the others. And um, I think what has changed, if I look back, let's say six, seven years, um, is, and that's something I've actively been working on. Um, it's being more empathetic in a sense of embracing others and less communicating myself and just talking about myself more. Um, I think I'm, I'm quite good at establishing um, connections with that, but connections are not inherently valuable if it's not a two-way connection. It's not just about me communicating my thoughts and my points and my perspective. It's especially, and that's, that's what gives me so much joy about connecting to people. It's about getting other perspectives and maybe also being pushed out of my comfort zone by, by other beliefs, by other perceptions. And uh, yeah, just being more open, more, more embracing towards others. And one thing um, which is very, very precise, um, not judging others, um, just accepting others. Um, when, when I meet someone who um, doesn't share my belief or my opinion about a specific topic, instead of being like, ah, that's this kind of person, rather being like, um, 
oh great that's something i really have never thought about before um even if it's not even if it's something that you would never ever adopt to your to your personal perspective or to your political beliefs or whatever it is um it's nevertheless interesting to really try to understand where the other person is coming from um yeah that doesn't mean that it justifies all beliefs and all opinions of course racism um, xenophobia and um, yeah other very negative phenomena in society are not to be accepted um but nevertheless if you meet someone like this it's still interesting to try to understand where this person comes from so we just talked about connecting with people not judging them um here's another thing that i often talk to friends about and i have a love to get your views on that so um we we often talk about the uneasiness we have with thinking and vocalizing people as um intrinsically valuable maybe smart or just having some value to us in general or maybe uh, subconsciously we we think of them as not so smart or valuable um although in an ideal world we would recognize that all human beings have some intrinsic value and we we love our fellow man unconditionally <laughs> how could you think about this as a person who thinks a lot about social relationships in networking in general interesting question um i think what you're describing there is a general big compromise or a general big trade off we're facing as i personally thoroughly with all my heart believe in equality i think as you said that was perfectly framed we all have intrinsic value and uh, everyone yeah has intrinsic value and uh, we as humans um we are living in a, in a very in a very complex world where dogmas and simple explanations give us orientation and also give us help us shape our or understand our identity and a very explicit example is just judging people it's very simple if we are judging people um as it gives us certainty on how to deal with them if we're judging them as not being worthy of talking to them or as not being um worthy of being open and trying to understand them it's simple for us and that's a constant trade off um, that you're describing if i'm trying to be all equal and trying to understand people um but nevertheless of course i also have the desire to understand the world um yeah there's there's a constant compromise so the question is very interesting um not sure if i have a general answer to it um i think like to get in there i think there is no general answer as you you put it perfectly for me every time again you get to decide um hey does this and i mean you said it earlier already different people have different goals and different like skill sets and different um inclinations so it's perfectly fine that the people who share interests and hobbies and professional aspirations get together and try to achieve this and as long as there's 
certain level of respect for the other side that they also have a right to to like speak their mind and be engaged in in the work in the in the discussion and um it, it's very hard to give a general yeah. Yeah. it's not possible to give a general answer except from i mean what you already said that yeah. it's about respect and appreciation and i guess what um, some when you said that when you like one thought i had was um but when I think back when I was 19, 20, 21, judging other people gave me a sense of self-worth and I felt <laughs> like, yeah, okay, this is a stupid guy. I'm so smart, for instance. Mm -hmm. And I think once you realize that where humanity got is a lot about collaboration and this mindset doesn't really get you very far in that respect. So you if you want to make a change, if you want to become some kind of a leader, entrepreneur, whatever you call it, you need to become smart about handling people that are very different from you, seeing how their interests and skills can contribute to helping you advance your, your mission. And, and do not, don't do that in a like selfish way, but and as Lucas said several times already, be honest and really help them figure out what is it that they want only then it'll be sustainable i think if there's um very different or if there's different perspectives um then there's also always different expectations um say in in a project in a group project you're working with say five six people and uh yeah ideally everyone has exactly the same expectations and exactly the same agenda um, for the next couple of months, but most likely it's not going to happen. And uh, and I think what is crucial um, for having successful long-term relationships, but also in, in a private context, is actually trying to understand the other person's perspective and therefore understand the expectations and align these expectations. Um, we, we talked a little bit about, about this topic before when we were on Walkmax. Um, it's, for example, in, in a partnership, it's it's not the, the small things that actually annoy you. It's that the small things remind you of something bigger that you probably cannot even phrase, but something bigger that is annoying you. And um, yeah, and I think if, if you're trying to be a leader of a group, for example, um, then of course you should be open, you should be embracing and receiving these people, um, but especially if you want to move them towards, as an entrepreneur, for example, towards a specific goal, um, then you have to align their expectations. You'd be like, hey, you might have this and that agenda. This is our company tries to achieve. Um, let's let's find a way through this together. I love it. I think that summarizes it really well. Um, um, so summarizing all, all, all we've talked about this topic, um, in your opinion, what is important to do well with others? In one sentence. Okay. And be a longer one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you can connect a few of them. <laughs> Let's see. genuine interest in 
willingness to understand and share. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, I like that. I think it's about um, and authenticity. Re reciprocity. You're giving something and that can be information, that can be money, but it can be also, as you said a few times, compassion. Mm -hmm. But you're also receiving something and being receptive. I think yeah. every man, every woman can teach you something. Just go look out. Yeah. I think that's the last question. Um, so there's this thing that has been boggling me. I'll, I'll link it to the previous um, topic we talked about. So we were talking, Max, uh, as soon as we talked about speech and transcribing the voice notes, uh, Max asked about the privacy. Um, and would I personally like uh, feel or what I saw maybe with Clubhouse and what has been happening in the past week in Munich as well, like the people who would talk a lot about privacy just because um, something eventually became a hype and something that people did not want to miss out on. They eventually jumped in without caring a lot about the privacy concerns um, that might come with the app itself. So you as a startup founder who would have done a lot of user interviews because privacy is mission critical to, your, this, to the success of your app. Um, do you personally think that um, in the larger scheme of things, people care about privacy just because it's a hype? or do they really care about privacy? <laughs> That's an interesting perspective. I've never thought about it this way before. Um, no, I think they genuinely care about privacy for two reasons. Um, yeah, yeah, I think for two reasons. Firstly, for being afraid of becoming vulnerable. Um, if information is shared about you that you don't want to be out there in the world and or in general, if you're exposing yourself, if you're saying, hey, this and that has the potential to hurt me, for example, and if you know that, then you can perfectly well hurt me. And uh, I think if you, if you are unaware of your information being shared, then you feel vulnerable as the information is out there. And the second part is, or second dimension is, I guess people hate being made use of, um, and it's misuse of trust essentially. Um, so if, yeah, if a company misuses the trust and actually sells the data and uses it for something that the user did not agree on, um, yeah, then, Users don't like it. <laughs> don't worry, I wasn't expecting you to negate the notion of people caring about their privacy anyway. It would have been problematic for us if you did. So don't worry. We'll see what will happen to WhatsApp. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Lucas, um, that brings us to the end. And we'll leave that. Uh, up to you, right? Um, so, so yeah, absolutely. Um, so, Lucas, we, we like closing our session with um, asking our guests if they would have something that they would like to share with our audience. Um, it could be an article, um, a podcast, 
your favorite book, um, a piece of art, anything that, that you would prefer. An object. A favorite book, a piece of art, anything. A song. No. A podcast. Mm -hmm. You don't have to say one shot. Yeah, you can. <laughs> mm. I think an object that essentially makes me hopeful. Um, what I think, what, what really inspires me is and what makes me hopeful in a sense of future development is if people actually talk to each other and actually try to understand each other and are daring to change the status quo and uh, for example with the um the big threats that we as humanity are facing with uh, climate change with racism with sexism um, these are topics that really boggle my mind and uh, it makes me hopeful that people actually talk to each other and exchange perspectives and uh, hopefully also change their perspective and their behavior in the world. I think that's that's a pretty good way to end the conversation. Um, so Lucas, it was lovely, lovely having you around. I, I really enjoyed the conversation. Um, thank you for joining us. And yeah, I mean, once speech has rolled out on all platforms, we'd love to have you back and talk more about it. Great. Thank you very much.